This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Break layers and ball shorts. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amon Hawkins, and I appreciate you rocking with me on this episode of the Ball Hawk show podcast today we will be recapping the university of virginia defeating the old dominion monarchs by a score of 28 to 17 here at scott stadium this past saturday night youth day before we get started like the show recognition to my sponsors man go to aberinsurance.net Aber insurance has been sponsoring the ball hawk show since the inception of the podcast so make sure you holler at billy and charlene white if you need home business auto life any type of insurance, holler at the good people at Able Insurance. If you're looking for a place to live, you're looking for a property to invest in, or you're just looking to upgrade, holler at my man Connor Murray, Realtor. Go to Connor Murray, Realtor on Facebook. And if you're on Instagram, go to Connor Murray Real Estate. Follow him, shoot him a note. He'll definitely take care of you. Proud sponsor of the Ball Hawk Show, Connor Murray. And with football season starting up, and you got a lot of people with placing friendly bets on games, go to crowcookies.com. Go to crowcookies.com, order you some cookies, and really serve crow to somebody that's lost to you in the bet when it comes to sports because losing never tasted so good. That's crowcookies.com. And if you're looking for your Shut the Hell Up Juice apparel, go to sthujuice.com. That's sthujuice.com. Dot com for all your shut the hell up juice apparel, Petty Hawk apparel, and if you're looking for the redemption shirt, a shirt made in honor of the national championship basketball team, go to sthujuice.com. So um, let's jump into this recap. So if you're new to the podcast, make sure you subscribe. But how I break it down is I give you the numbers, stats, and then I get into the X and the O's, the analytical part, which is the second half of the podcast. I try to keep my podcast between 20 and 30 minutes, but sometimes it's just a lot of information that you got to discuss and a lot of questions that's been emailed to me and sent my way. Um, and I like to answer those questions. So let's jump right into it. Um, Old Dominion, when we look at the stats, we talk about first downs. Old Dominion has 16 first downs to UVA's 14. Uh, net rushing yards, the stats there, UVA has 69 to ODU 64 net passing yards ODU had 206 
UVA had 175. Total offense, Old Dominion total 270 yards. UVA total 244 yards. Old Dominion had a total of 70 offensive plays that counted. And UVA had a total of 53 offensive plays that counted. Uh, time of possession definitely jumped out to me. U, uh, UVA only had the ball 24 minutes and 44 seconds, while Old Dominion had the ball for a total of 35 minutes and 16 seconds. The first quarter was the biggest discrepancy of the whole night. Uh, ODU had the ball for a total of 10 minutes, and UVA had the ball just 15. I mean, just five minutes in the 15 total minutes. Uh, the second half was 8:54 to UVA 6:06. Then the third quarter was 914 to UVA's 546. And then the fourth quarter, UVA finally took the upper hand by a couple of seconds of 752 to 708. Third down conversions. UVA defense continued to do their job. I mean, they held ODU to four of 16. And third down conversions, three of five of four down, fourth down conversions. UVA was just one of 11 on third downs. And then they were one of two on fourth down. And one of the fourth down conversions was actually a touchdown from eight yards out. So uh, UVA total six team sacks. ODU had two team sacks. So we look at the individual stats now. First, we'll start with rushing. Bryce Perkins led us in rushing with 35 net yards. 19 of those. Um, he had actually 54. 19 was in the loss. So he had a net yards of 35. And I'm pretty sure that snap when he wasn't ready. Uh, really hurt his rushing totals. He did have one rushing touchdown. Uh, Wayne Twalapapa, a.k.a. the Samoan Slasher, had 33 yards. He didn't lose any yards when he was rushing the football. He had one touchdown on 11 carries. Uh, P.K. Kier had two carries for six yards. Uh, Tavares Kelly had one carry for one yard. And Lindo Stone had one carry for negative five yards, and that was a you know, a bad snap as well. ODU, uh, Keyshawn Strong had 39 yards to lead ODU on 13 carries. Lala Davis had four carries for 15 yards. Blake Watson had six carries for 13 yards. And Stone Smart, their quarterback, had 16 carries for negative 11 yards. And, you know, it wasn't like those were actually 16 carries. The scrambles and the sacks count towards a quarterback's uh, rushing yards and also rushing attempts. So he didn't really carry the ball 16 times on 16 design runs, but in scramble, it counts as a rush. Um, So as a team, they ran the ball 44 times for just 64 yards. UVA ran the ball 29 times for 69 yards. We go to passing. Both quarterbacks attempted less than 30 passes. Stone Smart was 16 of 26. One interception, one touchdown, 47 yards being along for 206 yards. Bryce Perkins attempted just 24 attempt, 24 passes, 15 completions, 175 yards, one touchdown, and was sacked two times. 34 yards was the long. Joe Reed led us in catches and yards. He had four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. Terrell Jenner had three catches for 25 yards. Tavares Kelly Jr. had two catches for 23 yards. Hasis Dubois had two catches for 21 yards. Billy Kemp had two catches for 10 yards. Lamont Atkins had the big catch, one catch for 34 yards. And Tanner Cowley also had a big catch in the second half, one catch for 22 yards. Keyshawn Strong 
had the most catches on the team with four for uh, 39. And Mike Geiger had one catch of 47 yards and a touchdown on the blown coverage for ODU. Uh, Eric Kuma, the former Virginia Tech receiver, only had one catch for four yards. Uh, returns, we know Joe Reed is super dynamic, returning the football and kickoff returns. He had four returns for 119 yards. I think he had four returns. I just know it totaled 119 yards. Maybe it was, yeah, so he had four kickoff returns, 119 yards. 57 of those was on one return. Defensively, Charles Snowden led the way, 15 tackles, three and a half tackles for losses, and two sacks and countless quarterback pressures. Matt Gam had 10 tackles, um, one and a half tackles for, for a loss and a half a sack. Jordan Mack had nine tackles, another sack. He continues to get a sack every game and a tackle for a loss. Rob Snyder had seven tackles. Joey Blunt has six tackles. Aaron Famui had four tackles, a half a sack, and a half a tackle for a loss. Richard Burney had four tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss. Zane Zandir had four tackles and an interception to the crib. Noah Taylor had a sack to go along with three tackles and a tackle for a loss. Uh, Bryce Hall had three tackles and a tackle for a loss and one pass breakup. Nick Grant had a pass breakup to go along with three tackles. Mandy Alonzo had three tackles. Britton Nelson had two tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a pass breakup. Eli Handback had a half a tackle for a loss to go along with two tackles. Um, and that's it. Devontae Cross had one tackle. Hayden Mitchell had a tackle. And Paris Jones also had a tackle. So, I guess that's the, now we're just getting to the analytics and what I saw during the game. Uh, so, as we know, ODU came out, and as I expected, and I said in the Cavalier countdown that I felt like with the one extra week of preparation and a week being off for ODU, that they would come out and be explosive, and they would kind of jump out on us. I, I like what I saw with them in film. Um, I mostly watched the Norfolk State game more than the Virginia Tech game, and I said this in the preview, for the simple fact that I felt like Virginia Tech plays at wide tackle six, so it's hard to try to break down that game and, and look at tendencies of what ODU may do to us because we play at 3-4. So I really studied the Norfolk State game, and I felt like they would try to spread us out, use smart mobility, try to run in between the tackles with the inside zones, but definitely take shots down the field or do some type of misdirection. And, and, and they did that. And I felt like in that first drive, we overran a lot of plays, um, I don't think we came out flat on defense. I, I just felt like we were so aggressive and they showed different wrinkles as far as how they were trying to attack us, uh, moving smart in the pocket on, on little boots off of play action. They made some great catches as well, but we blew some coverages. Our eyes wasn't as disciplined and um, they took advantage of that. But they, they, they definitely showed some formations that we hadn't, truly seen this year and they put guys in different spots and they did what they were supposed to do coming out of the bye week show some wrinkles execute better than what they showed the first two games with two weeks of just intense getting back to fundamentals because that's what the bye week does for you get back to fundamental execution is very important when you come out the bye week and they did that so I expected them to score now with that being said I was highly encouraged because the first drive ended and they field goal. Um, 
And I want to let me look at the drive. So the first drive, it took them seven minutes and 38 seconds. They went 11 plays, 74 yards, and we held them to a field goal. And coming out offensively, I felt like we would take a shot at their secondary in the first play of the game. Lo and behold, we took a shot at them. We took a shot. Um, Chapman had separation. It was just we just didn't execute that piece. You know, I, I think he threw it more to the outside shoulder of Chapman where I felt like he should have led him more to the middle of the field. But sometimes you anticipate two safety look that the safety may be there. So you want to throw to that spot, to that trash can. Um, and it was just incomplete. Then we come out second down, we throw a short pass to Billy Kemp for three yards. And then third down, they, they get a sack. It, 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 more of a coverage sack in my opinion. Um, I thought Hasis Dubois was open on the backside the backside speed cut, the backside dig that he had, but I think Bryce saw something else, and then he felt like he had to be flushed out the pocket. The defense end did a great job with the open field tackle on Bryce, and then we end up punting the ball. Um, and then once we punt the ball, Stone Smart, you know, gets flushed out the pocket, becomes a scramble drill, and Jake Herslow makes a great catch on on Bryce Hall where it was thrown to the backside shoulder receiver. Bryce Hall is looking. Uh, towards the middle of the field. The quarterback does a great job of throwing it to the receiver's back shoulder. So Bryce Hall has to turn, and when he turns, receiver makes a great catch. You live with that. Great corner, you have to make a great catch. The next play, Stone Smart rushes for a no gain. Uh, second and 10, Stone Smart pass complete to Keyshawn Strong, who shows great burst. Um, they get first and goal. They try to go to Eric Kuhlman. That's incomplete. And then on second and goal, Stone Smart does a great job with his play action. Uh, Chris Moore comes down, has a bead on him, but loses his footing. Noah Taylor can't really retrace his steps. Because Chris Moore falls down, it takes away Noah Taylor's pursuit. They score a touchdown. There you have it. We come out the second drive um, on first and five because we have a penalty. Bryce Perkins rushes for 10 yards and runs out of bounds. But Hasis Dubois has a... And that's a roughness penalty to crack back, which I felt like, you know, he shouldn't have done. Um, talking to him, he said it wasn't that hard. But I told him, hey, it's not about how hard it is. It's the fact that they had the crack back rule and there was no need for you to really to to make that block. Then we come out, we get a ball to Wayne. Tyler Papa, the Samoan slasher, he has an eight-yard rush. Then he had a three-yard rush. Then we come out after we get that first down, three-yard pass to Joe Reed. Then – we tried a little option with DeVars Kelly for one yard and then incomplete the to Jana. So those are our first two possessions with the ball. They're quick. I mean, we get one first down and then it's another quick three and out. So our defense is back on the field. And that's the uh, I want to say that's the end. Yeah, so that's the end of the first quarter because they get the ball back. Blake Rush. Blake Watson rushes for no gain, and that's the end of the first quarter. So we had the ball twice. They had the ball twice. One of their drafts lasted almost eight minutes, and they're up 10-0 now. They start out the second quarter. On second and 10, Stone Smart completes a pass to Cunningham for 26 yards off a a couple missed tackles. Uh, Blake Watson rushes for six yards, and it's an incomplete pass. Then on third and four, you had a three-yard rush by Keyshawn Strong. They go for it on fourth down. Keyshawn Strong gets the first down. I felt like we missed the tackle or it was just hesitant to to the gap in which opened up. They get first and 10. Blake Rush has a one-yard loss on the rush. And then 
Stone Smart pass complete to Keyshawn Strong for four yards. So we have them third and seven. Uh, they come out in a tight formation in the boundary. They have an offset back. You see Joey Blunt pointing at the offset back, alerting the linebackers that, hey, check the back. Snap of the ball. Jordan Mack triggers through the A gap. Zane comes out through the B gap slash C gap. And you see Zane kind of check the back because he sees him flaring. But Zane feels like, well, maybe I could get home or just a flare pass. And maybe, you know, Joey Blunt could come from the back because Chris Moore has to go with one crosser. And then um, somebody else, it was, it was a, so it was a tight end on that side that went on an inside dig. And then you had a receiver going on a crosser. So the two defenders that were on that side with Zane had to go. And it just looked like that Zane should have peeled off of his trigger and went with the bat because Joey Blunt had to make sure that the tight end didn't just go in the scene route. He had to help over top. So Joey couldn't just bump to the running back from my standpoint. Maybe he could have, but then you just never know because hindsight is twenty twenty. Once I saw how the play developed, it's like, oh, yeah, Joey could have took – the running back because he got two in routes, but he didn't know it was two in routes until the ball was actually thrown. He still should have made the tackle on a running back that came out the backfield. But Zane, and I don't know if they're taught that when they're triggering, do they retrace their steps and just go with the back? You know, was it Clint or a Clint blitz or was it just a call blitz? It looked like it kind of been delayed because Zane kind of hopped into it and then triggered. Uh, but you can see he identified that the back was flaring and maybe he thought that, you know, Nick Grant, would have stayed and they just would have combo. I don't know. A lot of things went through my head, but um, if somebody's looking for a blame, it's just a blown coverage. And a lot of people were saying it was Chris Moore, but it wasn't Chris Moore. Um, he had to go with the inside route. So they got that touchdown. So when we look at the time of the touchdown, that started at 10:32 when UVA got the ball. It was 6:57 left in the second quarter. They didn't score anymore. From 6.57 in the second quarter, ODU did not score a single point. So kudos to the defense. Kudos to uh, Coach Howell and Coach Papinga for devising a game plan in the second half that really shut them down. What I saw was that early in the game, we ran a lot of stunts on third down, and ODU was going against the grain. They were running the ball. So usually when we come in with our speed group, we play a lot of games up front to where we'll loop a guy from the strong side A gap all the way to the weak side B gap. And lo and behold, ODU was running right to that A gap. So that's a teaching point. So that's going to show you probably this game versus Notre Dame coming out will probably be more strategic of when we run that that game up front just to make sure we could get off the field. So that's why I say it's kudos to ODU for truly scouting what we do defensively and, and schematically up front because they were running where guys were vacating and they were hitting us. They, that's what we call hitting the call. It's like schematically they won. It wasn't like players wasn't playing hard. Players was overlooking ODU. They were hitting calls versus us. Even on offense versus our offense, they were hitting calls. It was – uh, a play. So you guys noticed last week I talked about having Joe Reed in the backfield and you motion Wayne Tualo Papa out to the right and then you throw a flare pass to, to Jordan and how that was helping us outflank defenses. Well, we tried that versus ODU and lo and behold, the linebacker that was on the line of scrimmage as the ass guy snapped with the ball. He ran right to Joe. He didn't even run up the field. He just ran wide to meet Joe to the spot to where he was running. Another example, anytime we ran a two-back in the shotgun set, right, 
Usually we keep both of our backs in or we may have one back and keep a tight end as an H back, motion him to the other side of the formation and then use him to double team the end on that side and then we will slide protect to the field. With that being said, they understand that no real threat is coming out the backfield. So now they can, on the other hand, bracket both outside receivers with the safety in the corner on their respective sides, use a nickel back and a play side linebacker to bracket the slot receiver. So anytime you want to run, so we, it's times we try to run bang eights, slants from the outside, and something with Joe Reed over the middle. But with two backs, the linebackers are staying in that view. So even though to us it looks like Joe Reed is open sitting behind the linebackers, the fact that the linebackers don't have to truly step up because both running backs stayed in now and they can spy from a distance and they understand down the distance, Bryce can't take that chance of trying to throw over top of them because they may read it or they may react. And I will say this, the two linebackers that ODU had, the two middle linebackers were very good. Those guys were athletic. That high football IQ, they dissect things a lot, and they did a good job of understanding where Bryce was at when we had two backs. Now, when we went four receivers and one back, or just an empty set, for example, the touchdown drive, we went empty set. I know a lot of folks are saying, ball hole, why would you go empty set when your offensive line is weak? But I always tell folks, you could use the weakness to a strength now. When you go empty set, now you're dictating, hey, what are you going to do defensively? Because you got linebackers in. We got five speed guys now lined up. Are you going to check zone? Are you going to check man? Are you going to only send four and we have five? Are you going to tell your defense to end to really get home and now open up that C gap to where Bryce can scamper up out of there? Because if you are playing zone, he starts to scamper and guys start to roll up. Now we got speed guys finding holes that truly understand concepts of zone windows. So that's why when we needed a play on that fourth down, empty backfield, they tried to trigger, but when triggering, the end lost containment to Bryce. And even if that end doesn't get there, Hasis Dubois comes open on a backside eight or a backside bang route. So if that guy doesn't really get the view of Bryce, it was a touchdown on that DB. Hasis had him beat because they had to play basically cover one and the safety didn't see Hasis in that window. So... I would like to see us, you know, really go towards four set three. Well, more, mostly if we're going to use two backs in the backfield, I want to implement the backs swinging out, running some wheel routes like you saw with Lamont Atkins. They lost sight of him. They were so used to us using both of our block, uh, backs to block that when Lamont flared out and Bryce does what he does best, had the spider senses going, saw the backside tight, uh, backside tackle was beat. He just stepped up in the pocket and widened out. And lo and behold, the linebackers and the safeties didn't even realize the back had released up the sideline. So that that was that was a great thing. That was a great thing. But I understand that, you know, Coach and I likes to use the two-back look because we run out of that formation. So you just want to demonstrate that you can pass out of the two-back set. But I just think, you know, we have to incorporate, you know, the tight end. So if we having Cowley motion across, you know, release him late up the seam. Um, if Cowley's not in the game, we had two, three receivers like we had at times. Show that I, w- I would like to see uh, a slip screen out the backfield for our backs because we've never, never showed that. Um, if you're going to run some type of slants to the field with both of those receivers and they want to bracket, go ahead and swing that back the way of, of both of the slants because now – 
you can't really bracket because if they're going to combo and bump out, you could essentially say, well, the nickelback will take the swing route. Now that inside backer is waiting for that slant. But if you keep the slant skinny, you're hitting it right in the hole. And that's what we saw in the third quarter uh, when Cowley made his catch. It was just a, a simple a simple inside zone look. And we just threw it, popped it to the scene because they didn't drop back. So, um, and yeah, and I know a lot of fans want to see the tight ends incorporated more. I, I think the great thing about this year and just reviewing what a lot of fans send me is, you know, they want to see Tyler Papa get more touches. They want to see Mike Hollins get more touches. They want to see Cowley get more touches. They want to see Joe Reed get more touches. They want to see Tavares Kelly, what he can do. They want to see Chapman down the field. That's just a testament to the weapons that we have. I know a lot of fans are saying, man, y'all want too much, but I think that's just fans see the potential and, and, and understand the reaction and, and what teams have to do to better prepare for us if so many guys are touching the ball. Because, you know, last year, Lamade, um, he got all the attention as far as the touches. And this year, we don't have a Lamade. And I think that's the great thing for Bryce, that with Bryce being a first-year starter, it was great having a Lamade there, a nice, secure established receiver and also has ceased last year and then Joe came on late but this year the fact that Bryce is taking that next step of being able to scan the whole field I think that's why a lot of times you don't see Bryce on bootlegs because you don't want to just limit to him on one side of the field if you look at Bryce and the interception he's thrown it's been when he's gone outside the pocket and two of the interceptions has been trying to throw in the opposite direction, meaning throwing back across the grain. Because a lot of times when boots, you have a, a lot of times when you have boot action, you have a smash concept. You usually have the number one receiver doing a five-yard hitch and then the number two receiver doing a corner route so it's rolling towards the sideline. Or you may have some type of deep stop from the slot guy and then you have a comeback on the outside. Somebody's always working to the vision of the quarterback, but on the backside, you usually have a guy dragging across, whether it's a shallow drag, whether it's a what we call, uh, um, we just, just call it uppers, meaning you're dragging, but you're gaining yards up the field, and you're just getting in the vision of the quarterback. And I think a lot of times they just saw that when Bryce throws across his body, it's usually bad. You look, go back to the Miami game last year as well. So that's why I think we eliminated boots and sprint outs with Bryce because he's actually better when you give him the full field to scan and he's more dangerous when you give him the full field to scan just because if he does happen to boot out, that end can really just trigger and widen out. But when he's sitting in the pocket and you allow the pocket to form and now the defensive ends are getting on their pass rush you could use that against them you basically just counter how they're rushing up the field you counter the linebackers if they're just sitting there now you use your eyes to manipulate where you want them to go and um make a long story short i think our best set is for us to be in three and four receiver sets but we're always using four guys in the passing game for our linemen because it's less guys in the box and the less eyes on Bryce. And I know the offensive line has been the top of the discussion. I saw somebody wrote and they gave him like an F minus. I'm not going to be that harsh to our offensive line. I will say this. It seems like every game is another starting group. And Coach Bronco Mendenhall talked about, you know, how at offensive line you have less time to react. Have you less time to react? How important it is to be cohesive 
on the offensive front. It's not like playing defensive back. You could rotate defensive backs in and just play like a soft zone, and that could cover up the deficiencies. At the offensive line, it's hard to cover up a true deficiency. And, you know, the starters this week was uh, Bobby Haskins at left tackle. We had Ryan Nelson at left guard. You had Tyler Fannin actually at center. Uh, Olawatimi did not start at center. You had Chris Glazer at right guard and Rankinsmeyer at right guard. Then you go to the second series, Bobby Haskins is substituted by Ryan Swoboda at left tackle. And also Ryan Swoboda played some right tackle before Rankinsmeyer even went to center. But then Olawatimi, people don't know, he played right guard and left guard. He played right guard on our scoring drive. People don't know. People didn't know that. They thought he was hurting out the whole game. He actually played right guard on our scoring drive. You go back to the TV copy. He's playing right guard. And then when you look at the second quarter, Olawatimi's playing left guard. So, and then I think in the second half, I don't know if he got in at all. But uh, once Fannin went down, we moved Rankismar to center. Um, the thing that kind of hurts us is that we can get pushed into the path of Bryce. Uh, I remember the one pass to uh, TK, the wheel route we had with him coming out the backfield, which was a great play call. Oh, my God, we got the matchup we wanted. And I tell you, TK ran away for number three, smoked him up the sideline. But it's just the right tackle got pushed all the way back into Bryce's plant. I mean, he couldn't really drive like he wanted to. He had to let it go before he wanted wanted to, and he underthrew TK, which I I think my man Chris Wright from the Saber got that got TK's foot was actually in bounds when both his hands touched the ball with possession. But that's just the thing. Man. I think offensive line, man. I think we can really combat some of the deficiencies that we have by spreading teams out. And if we truly want to run the football, we have to be successful with our short passing game first. The short passing game opens up the run game, in my opinion. We're not a team that could just first play the game, just try to run downhill. We're not built like that. Sometimes you got to have to concede and understand the identity of your football team. I think Coach and I has done a great job um, the previous three games with his first drive, the plays and, and the formations. I think this week he wanted to take a shot out of the two-back set because we demonstrated that we run the football and he got the shot that he wanted. We just didn't connect with Chapman. Then we got the pass that we wanted, the short pass, the short shield pass to uh, to Billy Kemp. And then third down, Hasis popped open. It's just Bryce felt something that felt like he had to leave the pocket. I felt like he could have stayed in the pocket and, and actually saw his seats, but you just never know what a quarterback is seeing in the pocket. Some folks always say, oh, quarterback can't read this, quarterback should have did that. It's easy for us from the uh, stands and me when I'm reviewing the film because I'm seeing it from an area view and I can see everything. But if you ever been in a pocket trying to throw the ball, it's sometimes your spider senses take over and, and yeah, it just takes over. But um, that's all I got for y'all, man. Um, just looking at Coach Bronco, some of the quotes in the post game. I know a lot of people was talking about Ball Hawk. What did was this a trap game? And I don't think this was a trap game. And um, Coach Coach Bronco hit the nail on the head. He said they they still prepared the same. He he thought the intensity and in practice was the same. That that the guys were fully focused. But he gave credit to Old Dominion. He just felt like that those guys came prepared. They showed some wrinkles, and they were a lot better up front than what I thought. They were a lot, lot bigger up front than what I thought, offensively and defensive line. So 
Um, so, yeah, man. So that's all I got for y'all. Um, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Provide your feedback, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on the Saber, whether it's on Facebook. Shout out to all the groups that I share my contact in. You can always hit me up, theballhawk9 at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at IamBallHawk. Hit me up on Instagram at IamBallHawk. I'm easy to to uh, get in contact with, man. So if you ever have any questions or any topics you want me to discuss on my platform, just let me know. And I hear all you guys' suggestions. I know sometimes the audio can be jacked up, but a lot of times I'm recording when I'm at my my son's soccer game in the car. I'm a soccer dad during the week. After I record the walkthrough for you guys to do stuff for CBS 19, I'm always steady moving with my kids. And a lot of times I'm recording um, out and about. So when I am home in my home studio, that's when you get the best quality. But if it's times where you feel like the audio is low, I'm moving around, man. I'm trying to get the product out there to you guys and the content out there to you guys. Trying to make sure that it's uh, consistent. And hopefully, even though the quality as far as the audio may not be as good all the time, hopefully the content is always good. I'm trying to get great. So that's all I got for y'all, man. It's the Ballhawk Show. We out of here. Ah! I want the whole world spin my record. Shero, the hoodie stars, check game, stay free records. Show the girl for the death in a massaging. Bad news, even be massaging. I got a city happy. I be massaging. Pinky rings on my finger, I'm massaging. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.